Hello, and welcome to the very first recording of the Happy Manual podcast, brought to you by TSW Training and presented by Alice Morgan and me, Amanda Bathroom Griffiths. The Happy Manual is a career fulfillment and happiness at work show, so if you're looking for a little joy in your working day, you've definitely come to the right place. In today's show, we're walking for wellbeing by the sea and inland around South Wales. Let's get our boots on and start walking. I've just set that going. And then I'll get my other questions out on this phone. I'm stood at the edge of Forest Flower with Emma Jones. She's our health and social care training advisor and her stepdaughter, Charlotte. They've taken on a challenge to walk 100 miles for mind and they're about to tell me all about it as well as why it's so important to them. Um, I think for us, um, I think through, throughout lockdown, um, we had some challenges of our own. Um, and I think uh, we saw the challenge um, online um, and we just thought that it was a charity that we'd like to support. Um, and we just decided we, we enjoy walking anyway, especially me. Charlotte normally comes with me. Um, I've done a couple of walks for different charities over the years, um, but never for this charity. So, um, yeah, it, it was mainly lockdown um, and everybody's mental well-being, um, which I think everybody has, has suffered over the past two years. Um, so, yeah, we just felt it was it was a good charity to support at this time. Wonderful. So um, what mile is this? What mile are we up to now? Um, we're currently on mile 70. So whatever we do today now, we'll be into the 70s. That's impressive, isn't it? Because it's only the, is it the 19th of 19th, March? 19th, yeah. That's really yeah. good going. We've not managed to do all the miles together. Okay. Um, Charlotte's down at her mum's. Um, she'll do some walking down there. And Charlotte goes to spin classes as well. Um, so we've been adding those on. Um, and I've been working up. Um, walking on my my lunch breaks and after work um, but I'm a bit of a fine weather walker so if it's raining I won't go out <laughs> does the rain make you slower possibly <laughs> well we went the other week didn't we and we we were quite quick because we were soaking wet and we were freezing cold and we just wanted to get home <laughs> it's an effective motivation tool isn't it like yeah. oh, a bit chilly out there <laughs> yeah yeah awesome um, and today we're at Forest Fower we are, yes. And, and yeah. do you come here regularly? To no, walk? this is new. We've never been here before. Okay. Um, we've done the Taft Trail before now um, from Caffili to Castle Cork and back. Um, but th- this is a new walk for us. We've not done this before. So we were just Great. looking at the board and the different walks. So we've decided we're going to come back and do the others. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> oh, fabulous. Are there different difficulties of walk? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. What are we doing today? Perhaps we could just do the easy. The easy. Because okay. we're going to be talking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Otherwise, it'll be just me panting, like, oh, can't get out of my breath, can't keep up with them. Um, okay, so how does um, getting exercise help your mental health? Um, for me, I find when I'm out, I'm I'm more relaxed. My brain switches off. Um, so if I'm stressed about anything, I'm currently doing a university degree as well as working full time and planning a wedding. Um, so I'm quite stressed at the minute um so when i'm out i kind of switch off and i'm more aware of what's around me mm. um so i've always got my camera i'm always taking photos we always take selfies um don't we when yeah. we're out yeah um so yeah and i just find it's, it's it just gives me that time just to just to refocus um before going back home and, and starting all over again <laughs> that was something i wanted to ask you both actually what do you what do you think about when you're walking um <laughs> Not too much, actually. I try. It depends where we are, but I try to just concentrate on and, and focus on where I am. Um, I like being down by the um, by the sea on the coast. I love walking on the coast, um, so I'm always looking for photos to take. And then I find then that I'm so distracted with with my blinking camera and trying to find all the different lenses and whatever that I'm not. I'm really not concentrating on anything else at the minute. I am wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. I'm thinking of my wedding. Um, because I'm just trying, we're getting married in, October, in November, so I'm just planning that. So that is constantly in my mind at the moment. Mm. Um, and I've got a, a university degree, a university assignment due in next weekend. Oh. And that's also in my mind at the moment. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Do you find, are you sort of doing the essays in your mind? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I want to get home and I want to write down what I've thought. <laughs> Quickly before yeah. I forget it. Memo yeah. to self. <laughs> so, but when, when, life isn't so busy i do just try to refocus and just concentrate on what's around me mm-hmm. it's so. interesting that you say that you prefer walking by the coast because we went for a walk with Jess, jessica webb earlier this week okay. um with her doggies yeah um and she said that she much prefers walking in woodland yeah i've walked with jess um through woodland um but i don't know 
is I, I really enjoy walking along the coast, which is strange because I'm, I'm quite nervous of water. So mm -hmm. I, I don't like being in water. I don't like being on boats. Um, but I find, and I can tell when I need to be by the sea, because mm -hmm. um, I'll say, hey, we need to go to the beach. Um, and it just calms me. The sea just calms me. So mm -hmm. I, I, do, I like coastal walks. I've done quite a few um, on the Welsh coastal path. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I just I enjoy being by the sea. It's soothing, isn't yeah, it? The sound of the yeah. waves, even in a, on a stormy day. Yes, yeah. The and that's when you get the best pictures. Oh, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, just the the texture of the clouds and the colours and the sky and reflect yeah. on the sea. It's just incredible, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. no day is the same. No, no, it's fab. Mm -hmm. Would you say that walking has helped you with work? For example, are you more productive after a walk, or you yeah. have to concentrate? Yeah. Um, when I can, I take my lunch break and I go out for a walk, um, and then when I come back in the afternoon, I do actually work mm, yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's just it's just getting away from that laptop and just getting away from i'm not office based as much now as i was before lockdown um but yeah it's just getting away from the computer and closing the computer down just leaving the emails behind um and just at the minute there's i don't i just tend to walk around the streets because <laughs> there's nowhere else to walk within the time scale really um but still it's that's it's, it's better mm. it does make me refocus for the for the afternoon then that's nice. and when i can i try to get out after work as well then oh, we do a few so evening good. walks don't we yeah. uh, not so much in the winter because we don't like walking in the dark so much mm -hmm. um but now the nights are pulling out um and we've not moved we've not long moved up to where we are now and we've got um lovely cycle paths oh where are you um, now we're up in bargoid now oh, okay lovely yeah so we've got the cycle paths up there and we can walk to come down and park um, from our house so yeah it's, now the nights are pulling out we'll be doing a lot more so how do how will you feel when you've done 100 miles per mind because it's a oh, huge achievement yeah yeah i think we'd be quite proud of ourselves yeah. wouldn't we um because it is it is a lot to do within the month with everything else as well and because charlotte's over her mum's half of the week um for us to try to get time together to walk the same miles together um yeah we'd be we'd be off to beans only yeah. when we finish this <laughs> do you yeah. think you'll want to carry on and take on another challenge i would yeah. i i enjoy doing um charity walks i've done quite a few over the years so yeah if we find because we were looking for one to do um in the night um like yeah. um i've done one before for um oh what did i do it for marie curie i think and it started at 10 o'clock at night and we walked oh, down cardiff is that the moonlit walk yes oh, yeah can, can, yeah cancer research do one as well oh. Um, so we may we might try one of those yeah. next time. It's That's one in awesome. October, so yeah. we may. Oh, that would be really yeah. cool, wouldn't it? Spooky time of year yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, so we might we might sign up for that. That's so nice. Is it yeah. a very? Do you meet a lot of people out walking, as in and shared interests and things? Yeah. Um, everybody you you meet when you walk in, if they dog walkers or if they're just like us and just out walking, everybody's so friendly. Um, I think everybody feels the same. It's just getting out, just forgetting everything that that goes on at home. Um, yeah, and it's just a bit, it's, it's, it is good mental health. Mm -hmm. It is good mental health. Um, and how can people sponsor you? It's through Facebook. Um, we've so far raised 150 pounds, which we're really pleased with because our target was 100. Amazing. So yeah, we're really pleased with that. Okay. It can be hard to know where to start when it comes to walking. What would you suggest to people who want to get started? Just get out there and start walking. I started initially, um, there was a local walking group in my area, so I joined them. I mean, the ladies were a lot older than me, but it was it was still nice. Mm. And we used to go every weekend, um, all different places. And then we'd meet up um, once a month as well. We'd go out for a meal of a Saturday evening, so that was nice. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, you only need a pair of trainers or a pair, a pair of walking boots. Um, decide where you want to walk and off to go. You don't have to do miles and miles. Puth Corti Bay is a nice walk, it's a couple of miles. Um, yeah, just get out there and start walking. Lovely, thank you very much. Thank okay. you. Life in the Leaders Lane. Stuart McCauley Lane is an ILM apprentice and financial consultant at Legal and General in Cardiff. I chatted to him about finding his feet and happiness in a brand new role. So my name is Stuart McCauley Lane. So I'm actually now a financial advisor at Legal and General. Previously, where I started my qualification was a lead handler. Um, so working in the same departments, but I've taken a sort of step up, um, doing a different, slightly different job. Uh, as a lead handler, effectively, we deal with incoming calls and things like that from customers and then range of points for the advisors to call them back and speak to them. Uh, primarily, it's customers who want financial advice about uh, insurance products like life insurance or income protection, critical illness, that sort of thing. And that's what I do now on a day-to-day -day basis. So obviously, I'm now speaking to customers and 
going through their, their personal circumstances with them and then find with advice about the right sort of products to meet their needs. Um, so it was the ILM uh, qualification, management qualification level three. Um, okay. So we actually finished the qualification now. So it's uh, now been completed. But yes, I was doing that with Susan Hampson. Um, yeah, so she was always available. So if I had any issues, I'd always say to her, can we have an extra meeting? She she booked me in. It's, it was obviously because of COVID times. Pretty much everything was by team. So I met Sue actually a couple of times towards the end mm. where we had like intensive days where I'd come into uh, TSW and she'd give me support one-to-one -one that way to get sort of over the finish line, which was great. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was always emails, conversations, backwards and forwards if I had any questions or queries. Um, there was obviously a few interactive sessions as well that I attended which was great so with work and trying to find a balance sometimes I couldn't there was only sort of two other learners on my course so it was quite more one-to-one -one than anything else but sometimes I joined with other groups that she was doing was outside of LNG and mm -hmm. that was great as well it was really enjoyable and obviously looking at how different people work and how it affected their business as well so that was a real eye-opener as well I think what Susan's really good at is she brings things down to sort of bite-sized pieces so in times where I was really struggling with sort of sections she'd make it she'd really break it down for me and make me just find a way of making me understand so she tailored her approach to me which was great one of the things you learn in the course is no set way of obviously getting people to do the learning things so mm -hmm. obviously for management qualification you've got a team of five people they're all going to respond different ways so she was really good at finding the way that worked best for me and obviously helped help me to achieve the end, end goal obviously of qualifying she helped me learn sort of skills in regards to sort of uh, time management and things like that and preparation skills which is obviously i'm now using with my new role so there's definitely things i've learned from doing the ilm as opposed to just going straight into this job and not having that previous experience. You, you realize you can do do obviously more than one thing at the same time because I've always sort of limited myself previously. So I think the fact that I took on two of these big things at once and obviously come through it, the other side is definitely a confidence booster. There were days when it was a struggle, but obviously you just got to keep sort of muddling through. And Susan was really good. So she was there on hand for any help that I needed. So that was great. I'd wanted to sort of move up from my role and, and the advisors roles in our department are very sort of, they never normally came up. So the main reason I moved to this department was to try and get one, but I was there for sort of two or three years and nothing had happened. So I spoke to my manager and said, obviously, I want to do something different. So he made me a team leader in the Lean Handlers team. And I went to sort of move into the management side of things. Uh, and that's when this came up and he suggested, obviously, I look into it. So Steve Wright was my manager. He's actually just retired just before I finished, unfortunately. So he didn't actually see the whole thing through. But um, the manager took over Richard as well. He's been brilliant as well. So he's been really supportive. And the department as a whole has been great. So even the boss above that was really sort of encouraging to go for this sort of qualification role. He thought it was a good idea for me. So that was great. And taking a second out just to sort of find myself again, if I was thinking what I'm going to do next, I, I think I will eventually come back and do some additional learning because I say I'm still quite new in this new job as well. So it's been obviously a year of, of tense learning for this job. I need to sort of try and find my feet in this first and then to see where that takes me. I think it's, it's a lot of, a lot of obviously it's tiring work in regards mentally, because obviously you're trying to sort of juggle your home life and in your work life and obviously do this qualification as well. So mm -hmm. just trying to find the right balance more than anything else. So it's, it's always good to test yourself, isn't it? And, and to see what you can achieve. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy. It's always easier to do nothing, isn't it? Let's be honest. So, so pushing yourself, it, it's, it's harder to get it going. But once you do, you get that momentum with you, and then it's definitely worth doing. Definitely changed my outlook uh, in regards to the fact that I obviously at the beginning, it gives me a lot more confidence in obviously what I can achieve as a person. And obviously my, my limitations are maybe a lot further than I thought they were. Um, so that's, that's definitely made a big difference to me. So yeah, the confidence brain from doing this and obviously achieving something is the best thing that's happened out of it. So it's, yeah, I'd recommend it to everybody. incentive to get outside. Our essential skills tutor Jess Webb has been borrowing her way to wellbeing for the last few years. We caught up with her to learn all about how she's using Borrow My Doggy and intuitive movement to improve her wellbeing. We used to do a lot of walking uh, when I was a kid, um, a lot of days out because you know it's a free day out with the kids isn't it so me and my mum and my sister and my brother used to go walking a lot so it's definitely something I've always enjoyed yeah. Because you mentioned you grew up near London, didn't you? So you liked finding the quieter... Yeah, so um, we grew, I grew up near London and then when my parents got divorced, I moved to Somerset. We did a lot of walking on Exmoor and Dartmoor and did a lot of geocaching walks because um, they're a bit more interesting than just walking because um, we've never had a dog, so it was just us. So that was good. That was nice. Definitely that's where it started, I think. And do you think uh, walking helped your well-being? Yes, definitely as well during lockdown. Um, like... I used Borrow My Dog basically because I was having a hard time with my mental health. Um, I'd moved back home with my mum and I'd lost my job and I was working a job that I didn't really like. So I was like, I need to get out and do something. 
and that's when I met Harley. Um, and we used to go to Margan Park for like the day on Saturday. I used to take a flask of tea and a little sandwich for Harley and me. And we used to walk like 13 miles around it and um, stop for a little picnic under a tree. And it was nice. And it was so nice because I didn't know anyone down here, but it was just me and Harley and it was wonderful. And it made me feel so much better. That sounds so cozy. Yeah, it was really that. cute because he'd just be like, here we go. And he's just like, wherever he went, I just followed him. And then we'd sit down and he'd have a sandwich. And everyone would be like, that's so nice. But it was nice. It's, it was cute. That's lovely. And when do you tend to go walking now? Do you tend to go before work or after work? Or... Um, I do both. Like, Wilbur needs a walk in the morning. So uh, my partner goes to work at 6. So I go up and out, um, sort of 6.30 till 7.30. And then we go at the end of the day, um, maybe like 5. Um, just then he has dinner and then he goes to sleep. So we try and I try and get one in at lunchtime as well, just to kind of split up the day because otherwise you're just in the house and you're just at the computer so that's difficult do you find it makes a difference when you go walking in the morning to yeah your working massively day? not just my working day but to my energy levels i found um the other week i wasn't very well and i didn't go out in the day in the morning um and i just felt so tired but like sometimes i don't want to do it but once i'm on the walk i'm like yep i'm on it and then i i you know i think oh, i'll just walk a little bit further and then I walk back and then I feel great. I'm sort of ready to start the day. So it's really good. I found that yesterday, actually, because I've been, I've been walking before work yeah. all this week. And then, um, no, this morning. And then I didn't this morning. And I was like... <laughs> no, it really makes a difference. Like when we've got the kids, I have to take them to school. And I'm like, I need three cups of tea instead of one walk. So, yeah. And I like it. Like I go out at half six and the sun's just coming up and there's nobody else around. It's like my time for me. And then when you go out in the evening, like, it's dusk and it's like, you know, well, my Instagram, like, it's like this. You can hear all the birds, you can hear Wilbur's feet, and it's just like, oh, this is nice. That's lovely. Where is some of your favourite spots to go walk in? Um, here, Bringaro Country Park. I love Margan Park. Um, I like to go walk in in, I prefer woodland to seaside. Um, I don't know why, I just think, like, the woods has got a lot more sounds, like, sensory to offer. Um, I like anywhere that's got kind of water and rivers. So, yeah, here, Margan Park. I also really like uh, Cosmoston Lakes. Um, where else have I been? Barry Sidings. Uh, yeah, anywhere that's like a country park, really. That's the one for me. Gorgeous. And I know you t- already touched on this, but what made you start using Borrow My Doggy? And would you recommend it to other people? Yeah, I, um, my mum's next door neighbour was a mental health nurse and she'd heard about it for her patients. And she said, well, why don't you go on it? So I went on it and I had a look and I was like, I'm going to try this out. So you pay twelve ninety nine for the year and then you can message as many people as you want. So as a borrower, you kind of put your availability and then you search for dogs with matching availability. So as a dog owner, I could put Wilbur on there and say, I just need to look after him when I go on holiday. Um, You know, it might be a home from home stay or something like that. Um, And yeah, I messaged a couple and I met a couple before I met Harley, but they they were kind of like, I don't know, when I met Harley, it was like our first walk was like, we'd known each other forever. Like I didn't have him on a lead. He just, that was it. We went for a walk. And from then on, it was like we were best buds. Um, So yeah, and then he started staying overnight and then he started staying you know, a couple of days over the weekend. And over lockdown, um, we had him from, like, March to July. So, you know, it was like our household dog, and that was really the decision. When he went home, it was like, oh. And that was the decision to get Wilbur. So we saved up, and we bought him at Christmas. After Christmas, we didn't buy him for Christmas. Um, And, yeah, he's been with us since December, and he's just changed everything. And he's so cute, and he's so good. He's adorable. He is super cute. cute. Yeah, Harley is like that dog that he is my dog. Even though he's our family dog that we borrow, he is my dog. Um, And Dave and Zoe are so, they're so flexible about me borrowing. Like they've got a little girl who misses him like crazy, but they they never say no. And I I think that's really nice. So I tried to kind of cut down the amount of time I borrow him because she she was really upset yesterday. But I was like, he's going to be famous. He is. He is. And would you recommend walking to others for their well-being? Definitely, 100%. Um, I think it's really good to just, not only for your fitness, um, but your overall health and just going somewhere that you enjoy. You know, like I've been a big um, kind of fan of intuitive movement recently um, and just 
moving your body in a way that is enjoyable to you rather than kind of having to slog it out for exercise. Um, especially with, even without a dog, it's nice to go somewhere and just be in nature because especially when you're working from home, you just spend so much time at a computer or in the house and it's just nice to go out and be somewhere different. Absolutely. That's interesting, intuitive movement. Is that like intuitive eating? Where you just... Yeah, yeah, the same thing. So you just move when you feel like moving. Um, you know, you don't force yourself to a gym class. You just think, actually, I enjoy this gym class, so I'm going to go to it. Or my form of exercise is I like walking or I like cycling. So instead of being like, I have to work out five days a week, you just, when your body wants to move, your body wants to move. Um, and some days you might walk miles and miles, and some days you might walk 10 minutes. But That's a really good way of looking at things, because I think, especially like for personally, for me, I'll like punish myself yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a way yeah. instead of just enjoying it yeah um, so I definitely used to be like that I used to be like in the gym five days a week and then yeah. when life gets stressful it'd be like you need to go to the gym and if sometimes you can't fit it in you can't fit it in mm. but you know with, with walking it's like you only need to go outside for 10 minutes and then you're like oh I'll stay out for another 10 minutes and then it's great it's good Now let's meet intrepid adventurer and apprenticeship administrator, Sam Jennings. He's walked all the mountains in the UK, but now he plans to hike further afield, setting his sights on Mount Maglik in the Dinaric Alps of Bosnia and Herzegovina. During COVID, um, yeah, my karate class was closed and so is my football, uh, my football club. So he's looking for other avenues to keep him fit. Um, so yeah, started going on some long haul walks which eventually turned into some national mountains. Um, they included Van, Snowden, uh, Ben Nevis, Scaffold Pike. Um, so yeah, that was kind of uh, the, the reason behind it, but it's turned into a, a, quite a bit of a hobby now. Nice. And what, what was it like climbing those mountains? It's quite intense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> We did snow down in May and it was pretty, pretty like blisterous conditions. So yeah, um, you know, kind of, I think it, it was kind of a real test of that because you, it wasn't just a mountain, it was the conditions as well. But you know, it's been, it's been, it's been fun. It's a challenge. It's kind of stimulating. So. Amazing. What's your favorite one that you've climbed so far, would you say? Um, Ben Nevis because it's it's the highest in the UK, um, and it was also like you kind of, I guess you're better your comfort up there as well. You don't know your surroundings, and um, it was also in I think it was October, so the weather was quite harsh as well. So, oh my God. yeah, <laughs> pretty grim, but no, we got it done, and uh, it's you know nice to go out in the town as well after it's kind of like a celebrated drink like so who do you go with some of my mates yeah so they're mm. into it yeah about four of us no oh, that's lovely so we have the same group every time oh, okay cool. um yeah we, we we kind of one one of them is kind of he's kind of new to it one of them's a bit more experienced so mm -hmm. he kind of guides us a bit like um I think he's used to doing some European ones and things like that. So amazing! And have you noticed that? It, does it help your your well being physically or mentally when you're kind of taking on these challenges? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think um, I think during COVID, I was you know in a bit of a head rut and and kind of not I wouldn't wouldn't say isolating myself, but was kind of try, trying to stay motivated was tough. So being able to do that just give you a new sense of purpose and and yeah, it was just kind of it's just progressed from there then and you know it keeps you fit and, and mentally sound as well. So wow. and are there any particular spots that you like like locally that you like to walk in or um Brecon's always good, yeah. But I, I like walking like local local villages as well, just kind of um trails and, and all sorts, yeah. So I'm from the Bajanda area, so um, there's a lot of nice spots around here. The the Clinby Valley is nice, um, but yeah, any sort of any sort of walking and, and kind of running or anything is kind of sending my way, and I'll give it a go. 
Fab. And what are you looking to do next in terms of mountain climbing? Where are you looking to go? Um, my Glick is on the on the radar, so that's in Bosnia. Oh wow! Um, you can book like a, it's it's like a package, so it's kind of, I think it's over like a kind of week. So you go within like um like an actual team. Then it's kind of it's like an organized event with guided tours and stuff. But yeah, that looks uh, that looks like it could be next. Hopefully, with a bit of training. Beside the sea, five accessible trails to help you wind down. Getting outside can be such a boost to your mental well-being, giving you time away from work and learning to really wind down after a busy week. But a visit to the coast is a real treat like no other. Breathing in that fresh sea air and gazing at the beautiful sights around you, there's something so relaxing about being by the water. The Wales Coast Path is the perfect place to switch off from the daily grind and watch coastal life go by, says Eve Nicholson, Wales Coast Path Marketing Officer. It's not all high clifftop views and winding steps. There are places on the path that are accessible by wheelchair or for people with mobility issues. If a visit to the seaside is in your sights, try one of these accessible spots along the South Wales coast. Number one, views from the Cardiff Bay Barrage. Connecting Cardiff and Penarth, the barrage offers a unique path along the sea. Travel towards Cardiff Bay to see the Norwegian church where Roald Dahl was christened, or head in the other direction to experience the delights of Penarth. Along the way, there are play areas for the little ones and free exhibitions to browse. Who will spot the enormous crocodile first? Number two, delicious treats at Penarth Pier. A mile away from the barrage, Penarth Pier proudly sits above the sea. Park up nearby and take in the Victorian Promenade, which offers gorgeous views of the Severn Estuary, including the islands of Flatholme and Steepholme. You can't leave this place without an ice cream or a hot chocolate from the many cafes dotted around. Go on, tuck in. Number three, Sandy Saunters on Whitmore Bay. Further down the coast, the iconic Barry Island awaits. Whitmore Bay, with its colourful beach huts, expanses of sand and intriguing rock pools, offers a refuge for anyone seeking the soothing sounds of the sea. All-terrain beach wheelchairs are available from the Changing Places facility behind Marco's Cafe, so you can get closer to the tide's edge. They're completely free. All you need is to bring along a form of photo ID, passport or a driving licence to loan one. Number four, surface spotting at Aberavon. Down in East Port Talbot, you'll find a three-mile-long beach by the name of Aberavon. One of Wales's longest beaches, you could spend an afternoon in the area, observing the skills of the surfers who visit all year round, before making your way to the Aqua Splash playground for the kids to enjoy. Why not tuck into a scrumptious fish and chips at one of the many restaurants in the area to round off a perfect day? Number five, spot the landmarks at Swansea Bay. The Swansea Promenade can't be beaten for iconic landmarks along the way. Admire the stunning Art Deco architecture of Guild Hall before exploring the famous Singleton Park or Klein Gardens, two of Swansea's most gorgeous parks. We'd recommend stopping to smell the roses and herbs at the beautiful Botanical Gardens in Singleton. You'll enjoy views across the bay to Mumbles Head when you get back on the promenade, rounding off a lovely day by the seaside. A beach for everyone. We spoke to Nia Hollins from the Vale Council about the beach wheelchairs at Barry Island. She said, They are used by locals and visitors alike to help everyone make the most of their visits to the beach. Specially designed to be used on the sand and even for paddling in the sea, people love to make use of them. One of the most heartwarming parts of our job is that most users have a story. Sometimes it's the first time that a family has been able to allow a child with additional needs to enjoy the sand and dip their toes in the sea as their usual wheelchairs won't let them do this. Or grandparents and great-grandparents actually get to join in the fun with their grandchildren as they struggle to reach the sand due to mobility issues. We have families and small groups using them, but we also have regular requests from care homes that want to bring their residents down for a day on the beach. They say the impact is literally like a breath of fresh air to their residents. Hi everyone, I'm Kirsty. I'm a Blackpool raised girl, but now living in the lovely bright lights of, of Bristol. 
and I've recently got into what I think is just an incredible world of kind of outdoor uh, green space um, well-being based kind of talking therapies really and it might sound a bit fluffy it might sound a bit um, odd but it's actually one of the, the greatest ways to really get your body moving promote really positive mental health um, and get outside talking with people so uh, the, I kind of fell into it I think because it's something that kind of brings together everything I'm interested in really. I love getting outdoors. Once you've experienced by the sea, you never want to, to be away from it really. Um, and I, I really enjoy the kind of the language aspects of how powerful kind of talking can be. Um, and so it kind of grew, I suppose, out of uh, a collision of, of many things really, like most of the best things do. Uh, I've spent 12 years in, in communication so I kind of I know how valuable um, that talking especially when you've got an empathetic listener is uh, and it's really one of life best life's best medicines as many people say so uh, and the, then the work that I've been doing in this communications role for the past five years has, has really started to be centered around how green space and what we call biophilic design which basically means bringing the natural world into our, our human created spaces how those two things together act actively make us healthier and that means both our brains and our bodies and then at the same time like everyone in in lockdown uh, I really saw that that kind of need for green spaces became vital and that also there's a real gap for um, kind of people who you know perhaps don't feel that they need formal counseling um, but just really feel like they could benefit from non-judgmental um, sessions where you can just share what's in their heads and perhaps dig a little deeper if, if they wish. So all that kind of came together um, and knowing all of that evidence around uh, mental well-being and health as, as well as just my own experiences of how a good walk can help everything feel a bit clearer and more manageable. Uh, I thought this this has to I have to make this a reality, really. Um, so alongside uh, my job, I completed a certificate in counselling and then I enrolled on a part time master's in psychology at Cardiff University so I can empathise is with anyone who's going through the kind of juggle of, of job and, and learning really and but I just haven't looked back so um, I've now kind of done some trial runs and I've, I've got a wide range of clients some of whom much to my joy bring their dogs along to the sessions and we meet in outdoor parks across Bristol usually for an hour or so and we set off on a stroll and there's some certain techniques that I bring in from, from my certificate in counselling, but otherwise the rest is up to them, really. It's a really about person-centred uh, talking sessions. So, and the benefits, are, you just wouldn't believe, it. they're just so far-reaching. And there's the, the kind of basic ones that we've already kind of touched on here, but um, what I've seen is just the difference in dynamic that comes from walking side by side with someone. I think it like really speaks to the idea of meeting as equals, moves away from that more traditional approach of sitting in a room for talking therapies. It's less intense. It works really well for people um, who maybe have some um, diversity of, of you know brain diversity and so perhaps struggle with eye contact or the pressure to talk continually. Um, but really excitingly for me, as someone who's kind of uh, been in the creative writing world in the past, the idea of the kind of the metaphors and the analogies that green space offers to, to talking therapies is just fantastic. There's, you know, the idea of walking new paths in our brains or the transience of, of the seasons that you can reflect in our life stages or even how we feel at different days of the week, all the way through to considering what grounds us and what nurtures us and how we blossom. So it's it's definitely airing on on kind of um I would say a merging of some science, but also some lovely kind of um, ways of telling stories about ourselves and understanding ourselves a bit better through through words and, and kind of metaphor, really. Um, and leading these sessions is has really become, I would say, like a, a restorative experience for me. One of the, the key points that's made across psychological research is the importance of practitioners who deliver talking therapies to also maintain their own mental health. Um, and this certainly offers that. So I hope that the kind of more qualified counsellors who are working with people with you know, perhaps much more complex issues than I do start to consider it more.
and one of the ways that that might happen is the research that i'm involved in at cardiff university um is looking into how actually the proximity of people to public space and their community um during the pandemic might have actually predicted how po positive their well-being was and then in addition to that, actually, their health behaviours that they adopted, so whether that's exercising more or smoking or drinking less, and that's an incredibly interesting and kind of complex relationship that's going on that might influence how we approach community design or, or health provision in the country, really. So it's very exciting, but for now I'm looking to the summer because I'll be finishing up that research uh, and able to begin my plans for extending walk and talk from Bristol into lovely Wales. Uh, and I'm just so excited because I think the Welsh landscape just offers some of the most stunning scenery around the world, really. And I'm so eager to explore uh, where we can start walking there and the idea of perhaps because it's so expansive, the space to holding full days or, or half day sessions with, with clients, because it just feels like a fantastic opportunity for people to really dedicate a great amount of time to um, to talk about their mental health and, and get their bodies moving outdoors or in the wonderful countryside you have here in Wales. So it's very exciting and it's just been a really positive experience to feel a business uh, kind of grow from from the genesis of kind of a few ideas and the way they all collided at this this juncture really. Next up, we speak to TSW Learner of the Month winner and Information Advice and Guidance Apprentice, Emily Casey. A community employment mentor for Community for Work Plus at Rhonda Cunnan Taff, she supports all residents who want to get into employment, training or volunteering, sprucing up CVs and helping them with interview prep. Here's what she had to say. I'm a community employment mentor for Communities for Work Plus. So I support, give, give people one-to-one -one support and help them go into employment or educational training. I've been doing that for about 14 months now. So still quite relatively new. I have a caseload of, um, of clients. Mm -hmm. They're coming in all the time. So we have new, new clients all the time. Yeah. Um, some of them might be looking for specifically mentoring support. So they might not have been in work for a while. Mm -hmm. um, they need some advice on how to apply, how to apply for roles or how to get back into education. So we give them that advice and we support them at the same time. So I, I might sit with them and help them apply for a role or help them do their CV. It is rewarding. I, I worked as a triage before this role in the same in the same project, but um, it was more the admin side of it. So it was, it's just given. It, it is more rewarding, really, because I'm helping them now. And a couple of us started the job at the same time, so I think there's three or four of us that um that are doing the qualification now. Our our role as an as a employment mentor is giving people advice and guidance. So because mm. because I was new to the role, I think it really helped doing that alongside it because it helped me learn things along the way. It is nice to have that as well because we can go to each other for advice. So. We, I think we're probably all doing like the same um the same units at the same time, the same pace. So yeah, it's just going back and forth really and asking for advice from them as well. I am enjoying it, yeah. J Jane's amazing really. Like she knows I've got a busy caseload and she knows I've got things at home. So I've got a little boy. So anything I needed really, like if I needed to um if I needed to reschedule an appointment because I hadn't got a work done in time or if I needed a last minute appointment for some advice on some work, then she was always there, like end of the phone call, or I could um, schedule a Teams meeting. Yeah. Um, like I said, really, just developing yourself and challenging yourself. Like I come, I done uni. I think I finished when I was 2016, so I haven't actually done anything, any qualifications since then. So it's just getting my brain working again, really. And um, it was going to be worse than than it actually was. It, it, it was a bit of a shock system to begin with. So I was like, oh, no, like I've got, I, I was always last minute with uni, but I was like, always like, oh, I got work to be in now. So yeah, it's just a shock system doing work again. I like to develop within my, within my role. I'd like to progress. And it's just, it's having that qualification behind me, I suppose. It, it does improve my confidence because I was new in the role. It's improved my confidence along the way because I was learning new things as well that, that I needed to know. It's given me more confidence to it um, with my writing and um, yeah, just, just help supporting clients really and providing that advice. 
it's definitely worth it. It might be a bit overwhelming to begin with, but I think you you get yourself used to it, don't you? It's just mm-hmm. it's just making that first step. But yeah, I would definitely um advise people to uh develop themselves and take an apprenticeship. How can you make well being a priority, especially when you're working, learning and short on time? A problem shared is a problem solved in the Happy Manual's new regular column, The Calm Club. Today we're joined by our training advisor, Sue Hampson, who also happens to be our wellbeing champion. And today she's going to help us organise our time so that every working day has a rest break built into it. Over to you, Sue. So one of the methods that I I came across and started using was something called Eisenhower's Matrix, and it was completed by President Dwight Eisenhower. And what he looks at is is dividing your daily tasks into four grids and titling them, do it, schedule it, delegate it and delete it. And it does take a lot of practice um, before it becomes second nature to you. But it's it's the list writers. So what do you need to do in that hour, that day, that week and prioritising it? So what's urgent? What has to be completed? What's got a clear deadline? And then looking at things that maybe you could schedule it for later on in the week, Um, things like professional development or networking, for example. As training advisors, we might have a little bit of um, a little bit more difficulty in delegating things because we're not managers. We don't have a team of individuals to delegate to. But quite often it could just be a simple case of saying, right, well, I have got a busy schedule. I have got all of this to do. And having that confidence to maybe push back and say, yeah, I'll do this or I'll do it by this date or I really can't take this one on. I need some help. And don't be embarrassed to put your hand up and say, I've got so much work on at the moment. Is there somebody else within the team that can help out and just let me get this task done while they take that task over? But I think the most important thing is what I refer to as the time stealers. It's tasks that you could delete. It's the distractions that end up making you feel worse afterwards, such as social media or my favourite one, emails or DMs on Teams. And we're all famous for using the DMs. So what I tend to do is if I've got quite an important deadline or a task to complete that I don't want outside distractions disturbing me, I'll put myself on do not disturb on Teams and I'll actually turn my outlook off with the caveat you check your calendar before you turn your outlook off just in case you have got learner meetings that you don't want to miss. But in that way, it stops people or outside um, influences distract you because there's nothing worse than looking, working on a task, seeing an email pop in, wondering what it is that Fred sent you to do now responding to Fred's email, coming back to the task you were working on, then you've got another couple of minutes thinking, where was I, what am I doing, and having to pick it up. So it's just little tactics of making sure that you're controlling the tasks that you've got to do in the day. And we were talking um, previously about the fact that within my calendar, I also schedule out time, lunchtime, to step away, to walk away, go and have my lunch, go for a walk with the dog, just breathe, but be away from the laptop and regroup my mind, refocus. So do you think it's solely the responsibility of the person to schedule in their well-being breaks and to take their well-being into consideration? Or is it also the duty of their manager and their superiors? Well, absolutely. I mean, as I've said, I think it's important the individual is disciplined enough to make sure that they're allowing time for their own well-being and maybe a lunch break or even a 10-minute break away mid-morning. But equally, I think it's it's very much the responsibility of all managers as well as a duty of care more than anything to ensure that they're Um, team are looking after themselves are making sure that they're taking breaks away from the screen and even just pushing back on some of the workload if they need to it is up to the managers as well as the individuals to to look after themselves do you think there's something um that you need to have a a lot of self-awareness to understand um what stresses you out before you can understand how to manage that stress yeah i i do and i i some time ago completed a questionnaire that was on stress um, and what it does it looks at what what your triggers are for stress and how you are as a person and how you work 
And what it came back with was the two drivers for me. One is I have to be perfect. And the other is that I have to please people. Now, they, they kind of contradict each other because with the police people, I don't want to say no to people. If somebody asks me a favour, can I ask you a question? Can you complete this? I want to say yes. But because I'm a, a be perfect, I'm actually quite a slow worker. I like to be quite diligent on what I'm doing. So I have to understand, well, if I say yes to this, how's that going to impact on the work that I'm doing today? And quite often it's another time stealer because if I do say yes to something and it needs to be done immediately, I'll rush it. And when I rush things, I get stressed. And when I get stressed, I make mistakes and then I have to do it all over again. It would have just been more simple to go, yes, absolutely, I'll do it. I just need to finish what I'm working on now. Then I'll do it later today, tomorrow, whenever, so that you've got the time to sit down and do it right and you're not having to do it two or three times because nothing stresses me out more than somebody jumping in and asking, can you do this now? Can you do this now? Can you do this now? And I'm thinking, I've got 101 other things that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm trying to please you by saying yes and getting it done, but actually that's not my priority for the day. This is. It's quite an emotional thing, isn't it, when you feel overwhelmed, especially if um, if the, all the work, the time-stealing tasks are coming from your manager, it can be quite an overwhelming feeling because you feel like you can't push back. So it's kind of learning how to have those conversations in a calm way and getting your point across, isn't it, without sounding flustered, I suppose. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if it's uh, um, my my children call me stubborn. I would say I'm determined rather than stubborn. But it life has taught me that there are priorities. And sometimes those priorities, for example, teaching leadership and management, my priority of my learners is that they do their work by the date set. It takes a lot to understand that they've got other priorities, they've got other commitments and being able to manage their commitments and timescales with what I want them to achieve. And I want them to achieve their qualification on time, but there are things that get in the way. But it's having that confidence and that ability to say, hang on a minute, this isn't working, this isn't my priority for the day, um, I need to push back on you. And communication is a big part of that, isn't it? And um, Huge, huge. But again, that, again, is that coming back to an age thing um, where I, I possibly am more confident to turn around and say to people, I can't take that on board today. Um, I don't know. It, it, could, it could be the salesperson in me, but communication is key about everything in life. If you don't talk to people, how are they going to know that you're struggling with workload? And one of the things that I, I'd say to learners and, and to colleagues as well is that if you are working evenings and weekends, have you actually told anybody that you're having to work evenings and weekends? Because the more that you're doing in what they think is your normal working hours, the more they'll give you to do. If you push back and say, hang on a minute, I'm working till 11 o'clock every night and I'm having to work Saturday and Sunday, your managers will probably be mortified that you're having to do that. So, well, why didn't you tell me? So communication is key with everybody and everything in life. It's like the perception of that conversation, that that one difficult conversation. If you can manage that conversation, it will do wonders for your well-being in the long term, won't it? It's like just absolutely. kind of to weather it and it will get better if you do it. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and it's useful use of your time as well and as we were talking earlier I used to be the type of person that would get up at half past seven have a quick shower grab something to eat be straight at the laptop now I actually get up no later than six o'clock I set my alarm clock at six o'clock so that before I even start the day before I start the stresses of, of the working day I've been able to take the dog for a walk, to embrace nature, to look at what's going on around me, to hear the birds sing, to just appreciate what I've got and, and what the world is offering me before I then sit down and the day starts again. And that's why I think it's important as well to make sure that you've got that, that time, whether it's half an hour, quarter of an hour, but you walk away from um, the laptop at lunchtime as well or regular short breaks throughout the day. You need that breathing space. Thank you so much, Sue. Join us again next time for the Calm Club.
Did you know there are wonders underfoot in the Vale of Glamorgan? There are legends and myths for almost every walk that you can think of, all told in the Vale Tales app. Reporting now is Alice Morgan, with tourism expert and storyteller extraordinaire Mia Hollins. The beauty of South Wales is right on our doorstep at the TSW training headquarters in Bridgend. From the sweeping cliffs of Southerndown to the Victorian promenade at Penarth, the Vale of Glamorgan offers plenty of opportunities to stroll along some gorgeous routes. Walking in the footsteps of plenty before you, you might be wondering what stories the land around you has to tell. Who wandered these parts hundreds of years ago? Being a bit of a local history geek, I certainly have. I downloaded the Vale Tales app a few years ago to discover what stories lurked around every corner of the Vale. Whether you're taking a saunter around Ogmore, visiting beautiful Uenny, or heading from St. Athens to Barry, you can listen in to stories of infamous pirates, fortune-telling caves, Knights of King Arthur, and more. The Vale Tales are based on 10 trails that were developed in the Vale of Glamorgan. You may have heard of them. So they're, they're, they're numbered one to 10. There's five coastal, there's five inland. So it's a digital app that's GPS triggered. So the idea behind it is you download the app to your phone, and then as you walk any one of the 10 trails, as you pass a GPS trigger point, ping will come up on your phone and it will open up the story within the app and you can find out about it. So there's all different kinds of stories from piracy to ghost stories to myths and legends to all, all different kinds of things. I think there's about four or five stories per trail and then eventually then you have a full library of about gosh 20 well about 30 odd stories throughout the whole of the build the idea behind it for us is we want to encourage people out to walking our trails we also want them to encourage them to make it a bit more interesting so find out about history and that but also because there's 10 and there's only so much walking you could do in one day that will encourage you to keep coming back again and again. All the walks themselves are actually featured on our Visit the Vale website, so you can go in and download the maps as well as pick up or order even hard copy maps yourself. So you can order the full set and we'll send it out to you. But where there's some of the walks can be sort of eight or so miles long, on the physical trails themselves, on the maps themselves, we do offer some smaller loops for those that might not want to do the whole four or five hours walking. So hopefully it's a bit of a, um, a, a bit of an option for people that might not want the full walk. Yola Morganog was such a character uh, for the Vale. And, and I mean, Bro Morganog itself is, you know, it, it, there was links there with the character. Um, he was quite, quite a character in himself. And I won't sit here and pretend to know I know the full history of it, but I know that he was quite a character, a little bit high on life, should we say, if that's the right way to say it. Um, but he was very much in involved in the culture and the history um, of Wales and was integral to so much, much part of history of development in, in Wales. Um, so we just thought if we based it on a character, it would just bring it to life a little bit more. And one of the stories in particular, which is Vale Trail number nine, I believe it is, is based in Cowbridge and it really brings to life the Yola Morganog story because an awful lot of Yola Morganog's history was based around Cowbridge. Um, so that trail in particular is all about Yola Morganog's story. So it's one to, to kind of, if you if somebody was particularly interested in Yola Morganog himself, that's the trail to look out for. So I love the ones about the ghosts and I love the ones about the piracy and, and, and I and I do regale them all the time to anyone that will listen. So um, yeah, so I, I, I thought, well, if I enjoy them, I hope other people will as well. I would all say good boots, make sure you pack a nice packed lunch because we've got some amazing places to stop and have a fantastic picnic. And I like to eat my way through a walk. Um, I would always say, absolutely, um, by all means, download the, the app and get walking. But we are more than happy to send out a full set of the trails. So before setting out, um, there's a, a booking form on our website um, that you can just click a button and we'll send you a full set. Um, it's just really for your peace of mind, really, to make sure that you've always got that navigational tool but it also gives you a lot more story 
as well as the 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 tales so it tells you about the places that you're looking at tells you about the places to visit where you could park start and finish stop so it, it's a good resource to have on you and then when you're um, I would also say download the app from your house before you go because it can take quite a lot of juice from your phone and you don't want to get somewhere download it and find you've only got half a battery left after you've gone so I would also always suggest just download it use your own home wi-fi before heading out there's loads of walks. I mean, there's Vale Ramblers do a lot of walks. Vale Ways as well uh, are a charity group. They do an awful lot of walks and they've got some really popular ones. Um, and they're aimed at so many different types of people. So you've got some walks that are aimed at maybe single people that might be need a bit of companionship. Um, I know that they've got a walk aimed at Welsh learners, for instance, so people can go for Welsh learners. They've got an, a walk, railways have a walk, I believe, aimed specifically at people um, that have survived cancer. So that is a bit of a, um, you know, a good, a good way to just walk and talk about how you're feeling. So some really, really nice um, walks out there. And like I said, they're all linked to everything from Visit the Vale. So um, Valeways links out as well. And things but I was also going to mention we're in the process of working through a really lovely project at the moment um, it's going to be called 10 days in May and we're showcasing all 10 of our Vale trails um, through a series of walks guided walks um, it's the Welsh weatherman called Chris Jones and he's going to be um, taking people along these walks and along them there's going to be characters there's going to be choirs there's going to be fitness sessions there's going to be all these things popping up all over the place but also excitingly um, he's creating a video per walk so every single walk is going to have and some of the ones he's created so far they're just so beautiful and it, they're, they're being created to give people a snapshot of what they can find on the walk so it's not not a turn left here turn right there it's a snapshot an overview and some lovely um, drone footage of some of the walks so that people have a, a flavor of what they're going to expect before they go more of a taster to encourage them to come out and do it for themselves if i had to choose a favorite favorite spot i love southern down um I'm not so much a beach person. I love views. I love walks from the cliff tops, but the beaches down there are absolutely beautiful. Um, there's nothing that I like more than going with my family and having a picnic on the coastline, whether it be Nash Point, Southern Down, Ogmore. Um, but Barry Island has got a very big place in my heart. My kids used it as their playground growing up. Um, it's why we moved here. So I can't say that I. Barry Island doesn't feature highly, highly on my places to go and visit as well. Where are you most at peace and happy? Let's follow the sun and join Sue Hampson in the picturesque fishing village of Mausol in Cornwall for our final feature, My Happy Place. But he told us to say to you 20 sausage rolls and that you'd know what it meant. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> so... There's a place in Mosul, um, a Whole Foods deli called Whole Food, right on the harbour. And we went down, oh, September last year, I think it was. My, my dad was originally from the area, so we went down with friends and I was taking them all around the, the tourist places. Um, we kind of got to Mosul and we hadn't eaten and everybody was like, oh, right, I'm getting hungry now, we need some food. So we walked into this Whole Foods deli. So we all grabbed something and decided we'll sit on the harbour wall, just eat the bread, eat the food, and then we'll go off to the next location. And my husband, we all bought pasties. You're in Cornwall, you have to have a pasty. My husband bought a sausage roll. And he sat on the harbour and he went, oh my God, this is the nicest sausage roll I've ever had. And they had apricots in it. And it was like, he said, it's like Christmas in a, in a sausage roll. So by the time we all had a bite to check it, he went, oh, I'm going back and I'm going to get another one. So he went back and he bought every sausage roll they had left. <laughs> so I was in work a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to Matthew in the kitchen and I said, oh, what are you doing opening up? It's normally Stu that opens up. And he said, oh, he's down in Cornwall. And I went, what part? And he said, he's down St. Iceway. 
straight on the phone. If you happen to go to Mousel, could you please do your favourite employee um, a favour? Go to Whole Foods Deli on the harbour and buy all the sausage rolls that they've got. So on the Friday, I get a picture of his hand outside the Whole Foods shop holding a bag of sausage rolls. And he brought six sausage rolls home, home for us. And he said by the time he got home with the smell of all of these sausage rolls in the car, he said he was ready to eat a scabby horse. Thank you for listening to the Wellbeing Issue of the Happy Manual. For more learning for wellbeing, please follow us on Instagram using at TSW Apprenticeships. This has been a TSW training production, and you listen to Amanda Bathory Griffiths and Alice Morgan, plus all the fantastic Happy Manual contributors. Emma Jones and Charlotte, Jessica Webb, Harley and Wilbur, Sue Hampson, Sam Jennings, Nick Collins, Kirsty Kelly, Stuart McCauley Lane and Emily Casey. We'll chat to you again in the summer for the next edition of the Happy Manual. Quill Vower and so long for now. <laughs>